0: Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, Romans chapter 12, we're coming to the end of the book of Romans, probably today, next Sunday, we will be finished with the book of Romans, okay, amen, hallelujah, which means we are not going into a lot of detail, but enough detail for you to understand uh, the book of Romans, what a great, great, great epistle, This is out of the Word of the Living God. Amen. When you come to Romans chapter 12, chapter 12 and 13, and then 14 and then 15, and then it closes with chapter 16, we are changing the focus in the Word of the Lord today. And up to this point, the focus has been upon doctrine. And now we come to practical application. See, if our doctrine is correct, it should produce life, a lifestyle, a way of living. And so in this epistle, you see how to get saved, uh, what, how we experience salvation, what the Lord did for us in order to save us, the gospel, the good news. And now, once you are saved, then you live a holy life. And that's the way it is always in the kingdom of God. Amen. Salvation first and then the living. If the gospel that we preach and the experience that we have does not produce a living, a holiness, a lifestyle, then there's something wrong with our faith. Amen? Amen. So that's where it comes into now, practical application. Romans chapter 12. Laura, you can take down the monitors just a little bit. Praise the Lord, because I can hear today. Hallelujah. Amen. All all right, y'all all all right out there? Can y'all hear it out there okay? Okay, is it too loud? Maybe just a little bit too loud on the house, not the monitor. The house. Okay, so Sister Lord, can you help the congregation out? Okay, praise the Lord. Does that sound better? A little better? All right, I want to make sure that it's not too loud for you. I mean, they could blare me up here and I'll be all right. But I don't want you to get uh, your ears uh, damaged. Amen? Okay, Romans chapter 12. I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God and then we'll go through the verses that practically apply that father we come before you right now we ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word God today let me be focused father God Lord Jesus let me give myself Lord to the preaching of this word today God anoint me inspire me God to do it and also your people to hear it and receive it in Jesus name amen you may be seated in the name of the Lord. Romans chapter 12, chapter 13 deal with general principles of living for the Lord after you become a born again believer. General principles, general things, okay? So he doesn't just focus on one aspect. He focuses on many aspects of the Christian faith. And then in Romans chapter 14 through chapter 15, the first part of chapter 15, his focus will be upon divisions in the church. And divisions in the church in the sense that you have the weak and you have the strong. And you might be surprised what the weak and the strong are when we get to this in the 14th chapter. Uh, but we will talk about that when we get to that point. <clears throat> Non-moral question issues concerning the faith. and we'll, But I'm not going to teach that this morning. But to break it down, Romans 12 and 13, general pra- practical application of living for the Lord. And then 14 to the first part of 15. Paul deals with divisions in the church in the area of the weak and the strong. And then he closes the book out in the 16th chapter. All right, chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I urge you or I beseech you. I beg you. So there is an invitation from from Paul to the church. There is an invitation of the Spirit of God to you and to me this morning. Okay, and you are invited. He said, I'm begging you. Okay, okay. And it's, it's not just a request. It's not like, okay, if you like to or you don't like to kind of a thing. He's not saying, I'm begging you, but you don't have to. When he says, I beseech you, brethren, he's saying it's a command. He has apostolic authority. When he stands up, or whatever, it stands up, or declares this word to them, there is apostolic authority behind this man. And he is urging that church to take a certain path OK, so it's not just say, well, I beg you to do something, but if you don't want to do it, it's OK. He is literally urging these people with apostolic authority to do a certain thing. Amen. So there was a lot of authority in the apostles. They had a lot of authority to correct the church, to instruct the church, to call the church to live a certain way. And so that don't don't think that Paul, when he comes, he said, OK. I'm sort of passive here. I'm sort of asking you. I'm sort of inviting you to do this. But if you don't do it, don't worry about it. There was apostolic authority in his words to the church. He's urging them. He's begging them to do this. Amen. So what he said to the Romans, he's saying to you and he's saying to me this morning. Now, every time I preach from the word of God, you want to put yourself in that word. Don't think about it. Just historical. There's some people that have historical faith. They don't have present day faith. So when I preach to you this word, put yourself in, in the church of Rome. Put yourself, think that you're sitting there in that congregation of Rome as this letter's been written from the Apostle Paul. And, and if you do that, it'll mean something to you. You can you can apply it to your life, alright? So what is he urging them with apostolic authority to do? Well, he says, they're the brethren. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, because we have experienced the mercy of God. How many of y'all have experienced the mercy of God? Everybody here has experienced the mercy of God. Amen. And so because we have experienced the mercy of God, the Apostle Paul is going to begin to explain some things here. And we need to understand that there are two ages. or There are two eras, I should say. Uh, We are in the age of the Spirit, if you're a born-again believer. And then there's the age of this present world. This present world, the age of the present world, is passing. It's under the judgment of God. Amen? This present world, this present age, is fading. Okay? It has the judgment of God upon it. It is... A system, when I say the world, we're not talking about the globe. We're not talking about the planet. We're not talking about terra firma. We're talking about, when you talk about the world, as he talks about, beseech you by the mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and unto God, which is readable service, being not conformed to this world, it's not talking about the globe. It's talking about the way of the world. It's talking about their lifestyle it's talking about their ways the age of the world which is passing away is a system of mankind that is against the christ of god it is it is made up of people who schemed if you understand the word scheme means to be underhanded in dealings and when it came to the lord jesus christ this world schemed against Him. They were underhanded in their dealings with the Lord. And so when you talk about this present age, you're talking about people, amen, that scheme and plot and plan and seek to oppose the the Christ of God and His work. And so then in contrast to that, we have the age of the Spirit when the Holy Ghost was poured out, He he brought in a completely, totally never age. It's called the age of the Spirit. It came rolling in like a big wave, man. And everybody that gets full of the Holy Ghost is now filled with the Spirit. They're in the age of the Spirit in contrast to everybody that's against the work of God in the age of the world, this present age. You are in the age of the Spirit. That means you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You're a child of God. You've experienced the mercies and graces of God. And so, because there's two realms, that's what I'm looking for today. Realms. R-E-A-L-M. Realms. Okay? You have the realm of the world, this present age. You have the realm of the Spirit. And so, Paul's going to be dealing with these realms. And he's letting you know, because you're in the realm of the Spirit, you have experienced the mercies of God. Then there are certain things that you and I, need to seek to live like in this world. Amen? So he says, I urge you therefore by, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Okay? So you have been regenerated in your spirit. Amen? Your soul, your mind is not regenerated. Your spirit is regenerated. you understand what I'm telling you? And so you have to present your bodies. A living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, there were two types of offerings. There was the non-sweet smelling offerings, non-sweet savor offerings, which were offerings that were offered to God for sin. Non-sweet savor offerings. Offerings for sin. Trespass offerings. So on. And and then there was the uh, sweet savor offerings. Sweet smelling offerings. Which were known as the burnt offerings. And those were different. This The non-sweet savor offerings was for sin. The burnt offerings was a dedication of the person's life to the Lord. Okay? Amen. So when Jesus Christ came into the world... He took care of both types of offerings. The non-sweet, smelly, savor offerings. When He died on the cross, He died for your sin. When He died on the cross, He's also the burnt offering. Because you and I have never lived perfectly before God. So when we talk about His offering your bodies a living sacrifice, Paul is thinking about that Old Testament burnt offering. And what they would do is they would take that burnt offering and they would burn the whole animal. They would dedicate the whole animal to God and burn that animal unto the Lord. And so it was completely consumed, complete and total dedication. Now, Paul is saying, we are not bringing, like in the Old Testament, an animal and setting it on the altar and burning the carcass of the animal. Okay? He says, you are now, instead of doing that, you are presenting your bodies. But it's not a dead sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. Okay? So the whole burnt offering was a picture of you and I after we're born again, after we're converted, we present our whole life to Him. Not part of our life, but our whole life. Everything. Your work life, your house life, Amen, church life, your fun time life. Everything. in your life is to be dedicated to the Lord. For a Christian there's no such thing. Well, you know I have my spiritual time and I have my carnal time. I have my spiritual time or my secular time. You know, and the secular times when I go to work, that's secular. When I go to church, that's spiritual. No, with God every aspect of our life is to be dedicated completely and totally to the Lord. Church life, work life, amen, marital life, fun time life, everything. He's not. Want, he doesn't want part of your life. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. Amen? Hallelujah. And so Paul is saying with apostolic authority, he said, I'm urging you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Not like the Old Testament where they killed it a living sacrifice and when we think about living sacrifice we think oh wow I don't want to be sacrificial because that means I'm going to have to give up something that I desire because when we think about sacrifice we think about something we are losing something we're giving up something you know but that's not the way you need to look at this passage present your bodies a living sacrifice in the sense that you are willing to give yourself for something much better That's the way you need to look at it. When you make a sacrifice, it's not like, well, I'm giving up something. I'm losing something. No, when you make a sacrifice and give your life to the Lord, you're saying, what I'm giving myself is much better. I'm I'm not losing something. I'm gaining something in life. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord which is your reasonable service or your spiritual service. And so you have to have the mentality of when you live for the Lord, that when I give myself to God, I'm giving myself to the better. I'm, I'm, I'm presenting my body, all of its parts and pieces, my eyes, my ears, my hands, my feet, my legs, my everything, my torso, everything about me, I'm giving it to the Lord. And it's only a sacrifice in the sense that I'm giving up the less for the greater for him. Let me give you an example of this. I think it's an awesome awesome example. Barnhouse. If you could ever get Barnhouse on the book of Romans, we are talking about multiple volumes here and and out of all the books that I have on my computer uh, in my library, Barnhouse is probably the best on the book of Romans. It's I don't know how many volumes, maybe five or six volumes. If you get that, that series by Barnhouse on the book of Romans, it'll take you a lifetime to study. Okay? And so in, in Barnhouse, that's one 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 thing I will encourage you to get. If you want to study the book of Romans, get Barnhouse. And a lot of times you will hear me make statements when I'm teaching the book of Romans that when you study Barnhouse, you're going you're gonna to hear a lot of what he writes in his commentary on the book of Romans when I'm preaching it because it is fantastic. So Barnhouse gives an example of this. And he's the one that points out that sacrifice is not like, okay, I have to give up desires and you might have to, but in the sense that, well, I'm losing something. He's saying it's on the other hand, it's sacrificing for the better. It's sacrificing because you know you're giving yourself uh, to Jesus Christ who's better than anything else. And the example that he uses, pardon me as I get cleared up here, is this. And I thought it was awesome. A man went off to war. He comes back off the battlefield. He's a married man. Comes back off the battlefield. And so he goes to his house where his wife is. And uh, when he gets to that house, she's not there. Uh, He goes into the house. And while he is there, here comes a car, drives up. And this woman gets out of the car. And uh, it's an old flame. I know what old flames are, right? Anybody here have any old flames? (laughs) Old flame gets out of the car. Now, he's a married man. And she walks into the house and she goes into hot pursuit. Now, those are my words, not my (laughs) house's words. Amen. You know, she starts making the move on this man. And so what does this man do? Well, when he you know he noted he knows what's going on. I mean he's not dumb. He knows that she wants him after him, and so what does he do? He he acts like he ignores what she's doing. He ignores, acts like he's ignoring her advance. And what he does, he starts talking about his wife. He pulls out pictures and starts talking about his wife. You know, and all of a sudden, she stops the advance. And the world, if the world would look at the guy, they would say, he lost his opportunity to find pleasure. That's the way the world would look at it. He lost his opportunity. He was a sacrifice. He lost his opportunity to find pleasure. He should have had pleasure with that woman. But what he was saying was this, that the one I'm married to, amen, is the one I give myself. And you know what that woman did when he started talking about his wife, how great she was? That old flame looked at him and said, she must really be a great woman for you not to reach out. That's the illustration we're talking about here. Paul's talking about that when you live for the Lord, the Lord is so great. When those old flames try to come back in your life, you you know they're coming. You know they want to take you down. You know they you know they want your life. But you just start talking about how great the Lord is, and, and <clears throat> Hallelujah, praise God. And pretty soon, hopefully, that old flame turn around, and walk away, and say, "Man, he must really be great for you not to reach out for him." Woo, hallelujah to the Lamb. <clears throat> See, it's about love. It's about how much do you love Jesus Christ? How great is He? When you have these old flames, so to speak, coming around in your life, want want your life, you say, oh no. And the world says, but you're so sacrificial. You don't take your pleasure. You say, now let me tell you about how great He is. I'm not the loser here. I'm not the loser, I'm the winner because I have somebody so awesome as the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So it's a lot about how you look at it. But You present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service or reasonable service is because He is so great. Amen? That I want to give my all to Him. I, I don't want to be divided in heart. Hallelujah. He deserves my total dedication, body, soul, and spirit. Does everybody get the point? When you're living for the Lord, the enemy will make you think that you've lost everything. But when you really got everything, the devil will tell you how he'll come and you say, "Oh, you gave up so much. You're so sacrificial. You know, you you lost everything for the Lord." That's what he'll tell you. But the Bible tells you when you got the Lord, you got everything. He'll make you feel like you gave up everything when you got everything. That's the way he works. He makes the sinner feel like they're saved. Amen. He makes the sinner feel like they're called to preach. And he makes the saint feel like they're hellbound. And he comes to you and he comes to me and he says, "Oh, if you weren't living for the Lord, you'd be happy today. It's so hard to live for God. You'd be happy today. You'd be free, you know. That's the way He comes to you. No, my Jesus is so great. It sacrifice is not really a sacrifice. In comparison to him, there's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. It's a trick of the enemy to pull people out of the church. And pull them back into the world and tell them, you're going to be satisfied if you just get out of the church and just get away from the Lord. You'll be happy. Nobody that does that ever is. They fell for the lie. No, let me tell you about Jesus. And let me tell you about my Jesus. Just how great He is. He is so great that I want to give myself totally to Him because I am in love with Him. And I haven't lost when I did. The world wants me to think I did. The devil wants me to think I'm losing everything. It's so bad. So bad. Oh, so bad. Oh, no. No, no. He's so wonderful. I present my body a living sacrifice. Holding and acceptable unto Him, which is my reasonable service or my spiritual service. Isn't that amazing? You guys need to get that barn house. Now you need to start studying the Bible. So when you stand up, you have something to say. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, I know I I read all of Barnhouse's commentaries. I read all of them. So when you stand up here and you preach the book of Romans, you don't say anything out of his commentary. I know you didn't get it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to listen, man. What's going to happen is they're going to get it and then you're going to get up here and they've already studied, right? And you're going to get up here and you're just going to start trying to teach the book of Romans and they know more than you do. So you better get it. But it's no sacrifice. Praise the Lord. If I'm not careful, I'll go bankrupt buying stuff. I'm not kidding you, man. I'm always making payments... You know, to logos all the time. Every month, I'm making payments for stuff I'm buying all the time, man. You know, just I can't get enough of understanding the Word of God. You got to invest, praise the Lord. You got to invest. Be a, if you want to be a leader, you got to be a reader. I'm gonna say it again. If you want to be a leader, you got to be a reader. So y'all, y'all, I'm trying to help you I'm, I'm even letting you in on what I study. And say, Pastor, where do you get this stuff? Oh, I just stay up at night, and look into the heavens. It just—it always you know, like God opens my brain and just drops it in there. No, you got to present your body a living sacrifice, holding acceptable unto God. Amen. It takes time to understand and know the Word of God. Praise the Lord. But I love it. I enjoy it. It's not—it is not a burden for me to study the Word of God. It really isn't. It's a joy for me to study the Word of God. Hallelujah. I don't care how much it costs me. I don't care how much it costs me, man. Guys, got, I'm not even going to ask you. You got logos on your computers? You got it? You got logos? My, see, he over here. Amen and amen, amen, amen. Normally means yes. Okay, you need to get logos on your computer. You need to get logos on your computer. Hallelujah! You start with the base package. You don't have to go to platinum like me. You have to trade your car in to get the platinum. Say praise the Lord <laughs> hallelujah but it's awesome so anyway I've let you in on let you in on where do you get all this well I told you this morning one one area and you don't do anything with it it's your fault okay right so now you know you want to know I tell you then what you're going to do with it hallelujah you say it don't cost me anything really it's a, it's just a, a, it's an honor, it's an honor. You can't look at it like in dollars and cents, man. You know, it's an honor. Hallelujah, praise God, praise God. I guess I sort of get it. Get my James from my spiritual father, that brother Dice, man. When he used to move, they didn't have, as far as I know, computers back in those days. I mean, you know, and so when he moved, he had so many books. He had to get U-Haul trailers just to haul his books. He was a bookworm, man. He said when he died and they buried him, what kind of worm was going to come out of him was bookworms. That's the truth, man. He'd load up a a U-Haul full of books. and drive down the road, man, when he'd move. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. He told me about one time. He went into a place and, man, this lady was selling books. I mean, volumes and volumes and volumes. I mean, they were lined up on the floor, you know, just volumes, man. I mean, I don't know how many volumes. He just a a large amount of books, and so he called brother, uh, sister Dice, sister Dice, sister Dice. You know where I am? No, where are you, brother Dice? Well, I'm over here, and I'm looking at all these books. Get out of there, brother Dice. Get out of, get out of there, brother Dice. No, you can't have any more books. Get out of there, brother Dice. But that's the way he was, Pat. He, he said, when I die, a bookworms gonna come out of me. He spent so much time studying the Word of God. And I think I got my daddy's jeans in me because I love to study the Word of God. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord, church. Amen. I mean, he'd stand up and he'd teach. He'd, he'd talk about the background of the Bible. He'd talk about all different things in the Bible. He said, you know, he said he even studied the grasshopper. He said, if you put blue jeans on, him, he'll suffocate because he, he breathes out of his side. I mean, okay, you know. I mean, that's just the, the way he was, man. He just loved studying the Word of God. <laughs> when you live, that's cool, huh, sister? That's cool. He loved you, praise the Lord, because laugh. Laugh. He, he, you laughed. You laughed. Me and him were good friends because I laughed at all of his jokes. Amen? He lived in Odessa, Texas. I was pastoring in Crane. He'd call me up, you know, and he just called up just, just to like, have a good laugh. And then I just sat there and laughed at everything he said. That's why he liked me. Even if it wasn't funny, <laughs> I didn't laugh you know. at <laughs> He'd tell me, I like you, Brother Carter, because you laugh at my jokes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He'd like you, Sister Blanca. <clears throat> but it's an honor to live for the Lord. It, it, it really is it's not you're talking about a sacrifice and the devil comes you say oh you're going to have to give up so much to live for the Lord you don't want to get back in church you want your freedom no man that's a lie he is altogether lovely like the song of Solomon says altogether lovely you need to read the book the song of Solomon which we've taught you many times and that's a love story from Jesus Christ to his church, how much the church loves him and how much he loves the church. You need to read that. He's all together. There's nobody like him. Nobody like him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. We, this is something that we do. We have to present ourselves daily. We have to. Understand that we've given ourself, given our life, every part of our being to Him. Every part of our life needs to be governed by Him. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Amen. And ho- holy and acceptable unto God. He's looking for a holy people. He's looking for a, a pure people. Hallelujah? Who? What man wouldn't want his wife to be pure? He wants you to be pure. Hallelujah in your life. Say praise the Lord, church. Present your bodies holy and acceptable unto the Lord. What 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 the way we live, what we do with our lives, the way we think, what we read, where we go, what we say, what we do, everything. Is that acceptable to the Lord? How how does the Lord look at it? He's my beloved. How does he look at it? The way I dress the way you dress is that acceptable to the Lord and holiness he says a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the Lord holy brother I I'm want to stand up here and tell you I I can't say right now I am holy you can't say I am holy what I mean by that is absolute perfection Totally separated. No, no, no. See, that's where some preachers get into a problem. They live in a perceived holiness. They try to present to the congregation when they're standing before the congregation. They try to present themselves as being holy men. Like they've arrived. Amen? No, that's perceived holiness. I am not holy this morning. I'm in the pursuit of holiness. You with me here today? You see a flaw in me? Yeah, I'm flawed. I've got flaws. But I'm in pursuit of holiness. I don't stand up here and tell you I am holy. The Lord says, be ye holy. Be ye holy. Amen. Amen. Be conformed into the image of His Son. It's something you are being. Sanctification is a lifestyle. It takes a lifestyle of giving yourself to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you get a glorified body, then you'll be in a state, a state of holiness. But until then, every one of you in this church is in the pursuit of holiness, and I am too. I am not in the state of holiness right now. I'm in the pursuit of holiness right now. So I am not going to try to present to you something I'm not. I am who I am. By the grace of God. And I want to live for the Lord. And I want to be right with Him in every area of my life. And I want to present my body. But I am not in the state of holiness. I'm in the state of pursuit of holiness. The only way that I can live holy and you can live holy before the Lord and acceptable to God is if you're presenting and I'm presenting my bodies on a daily basis. What I'm doing with my mind today. What am I saying today? What am I, how am I living today? All of these things you have to think about. Say praise the Lord. How many of y'all are in the pursuit of holiness today? You are not in the state of holiness. You are not sinless perfection yet. Now, what I just said, that might sound real simple, but that's probably one of the most profound things that I could give you this morning. Because if you ever get to a place where you think you're in the state of holiness and you mess up, whereas you're out. If you think you're your sin was perfect, and then you mess up, you'll give up. You'll quit because you don't understand sanctification is a process. Holiness is a lifetime commitment and you're going to get better by day. You should, you and I should be getting better. We shouldn't be getting worse. That's why it's really important what Paul's going to go on to say in this chapter. Do not compare yourself with each other. Because what you'll do is, well, I'm not so bad as sister so-and-so. I'm not so bad as brother so-and-so. My kids are not as bad as those kids are. Well, that might be the truth. But you've got to stay away from that because you are not in the state of sinless perfection. You are in the process of growing and maturing in your own life. And you will until Jesus Christ comes back. Look at Job. He was perfect before God. He hated evil. He turned from evil. Then all of a sudden the test and the trial came and things started coming out of Job that he didn't even know were there. He started saying things. He started saying words he didn't think he would ever say. Amen. So you're not in the state of holiness. You are in the pursuit of holiness. And if you ever stop pursuing holiness, you are in big trouble. Because then what you're saying is there's something that I love more than you. you, Let me just put it to you this way, brothers and sisters. If you'll live with this understanding that He's so wonderful, He's so awesome, That when when the old flame comes around to try to pursue me, I don't reach for it because I'm in love with him. I'm in love with him. Do you love him more than these? Do you love him more than these? And if you do, brothers and sisters, it'll be easy for you to start talking about him and sort of act like you're ignoring the advances of the old flame because he's so great and I'm presenting my body to Him because I'm in love with Jesus. It's not about being self-righteous. It's not about being pharisaical. It's not about that. It's about loving the Lord and living for Him body, soul, and spirit. Every aspect. You might have the dress right, but how's your mind? You might have the dress right, but how's your tongue? It's not about Pharisaical self-righteousness. It's a pursuit of living for your love because you love Him so much. Say praise the Lord. Uh, hallelujah! It's not that way, man. It's not. I'm not in the state of holiness. I, I, I love you. I love you. I pray for you. pray for you. Every one of us. What this is saying is, I need Jesus. I need God in my life today. Hallelujah! Now this doesn't give me a, a room to make an excuse for slackness. It doesn't give me room to get, make excuses for a sloppy lifestyle. The pursuit of holiness is a real, genuine pursuit. So, well, I'm not—I'm not in the state of holiness. So, I—you know—I'm—I'm going to come short every once in a while. I'm going to fail. That's not the mentality you want to have. Don't give yourself a license for sin. How many of y'all love Him this morning? How many love Him more than these? More than the old flames? More than the world? Because that world doesn't love Him. They're enemies of the Christ of God. That age that's passing away, that's fading away, it's an enemy of Christ. You and I should be His friends. We should desire to please Him. We should desire... uh, to be accepted by Him. And the way you do that is to present. You have to do it. I can't do it. I can't take Brother Bishop here and put him on the altar. I can't take Brother Timothy and put him on the altar. I can't do it. I can't do any of that for you. I can't live it for you. Every one of you individually have to take yourself and put it on that altar. And as a love slave of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, because I love Him. I'm a bond servant. I'm a love slave. I'm going to take a stand against the system that opposes the Christ of God. Amen? You get the point? He cares about how we live. He cares about how we live. I beseech you therefore, brethren, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, because you've experienced the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Not for loss, but for gain. Holy, acceptable unto God. Say amen. amen. So we talk about holiness, man, they get all afraid. Well, I don't want to go to that holiness church. You know, A lot of times, that, that's the reason why holiness churches don't have the numbers. Amen. Because they come, they see the lifestyle, they see the way you dress, they see the way you live, and they go, well, that's just too much for me. Well, I'm in love with you. It's no sacrifice for me. It's no problem. I love him. It's not that I'm self righteous. Not about that. It's about how much you love Jesus. Amen. Say amen. Hallelujah. Say, well, you're in bondage. Really? You're in bondage? You don't have to get up every morning and spend two hours, you know, putting on putting on the cosmic queen. The queen of the cosmos. Cosmos cosmetic. Now I don't have a problem with some, some things, you know. You might need to put a little here and there cover up some blemishes or whatever, but I'm you know, thank God you don't have to spend like two or three hours, okay. I mean, I don't want to get into that today. But you're not in bondage, you're free. You're Hallelujah. You're free. You're so big. Memo. You're in bondage, tell our sisters. You're in bondage. Well, I sure am glad you told me because I didn't know that. I didn't know I was in bondage. Man, I I feel great. I feel free, man. You know, I'm beautiful. And when you see me, you see me. You don't see somebody else. You see me. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not in bondage. You're free. Say praise the Lord. They're trying to trying to be the cosmic queen, man. That's a Vashti system. That's a Vashti system. No, you're an Esther. When you study the Book of Esther. She says, "I don't need all of that. Just give me some, some oils, some sweet and some bitter oils. That's all I need." And she went before the, the king, and the king says, i pick you. But the Vashti system, man, they had all these things. They, when they were going to do that, you know, that beauty contest, man. And the cosmic queen went after it. And she didn't get picked. But Esther, said, I don't need all of that. Just give me some sweet and bitter. I need some sweet. I need some, some things that go on in my life that are happy times. It can't always be hard. I need some sweetness, but I also need some bitterness to make me the bride. I need some, I need some tests and some trials to come into my life. I want the sweet and the bitter to make me the bride of the king. Say praise the Lord. It's not bondage, it's freedom. I never could figure out why a man's uh, so ugly. I mean, I'm talking about man, man. You know the woman is the crown of creation. She's the beauty of creation. You know the beautiful one. But it's the woman that that paints, and the man walks around plain faced. I never could figure out that. Out. I mean, it's the man. You're gonna cut. Co- You're gonna cover somebody. Cover the face of that man. I mean, there might be a pretty a few pretty men. I don't know. <laughs> Most of the time, you're going to paint something, you're going to paint the face of the man, not the woman. I never could figure that out. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Say praise the Lord. God is good. I'm not in bondage. You're not in bondage. You're free. You're in love with Jesus. And you you know, it's about your spirit too. It's not just about your outward. It's about your spirit. You can have all of the outward exactly where you need to have it have the most stinking rotten spirit no god wants your whole being hallelujah wants your spirit right wants your heart right as well as the outward hallelujah say praise the lord church but it's a lifetime commitment holiness is a process sanctification is a process it'll take you a lifetime brothers and sisters amen amen And hopefully by the end of this journey we'll have it all together, right? Say praise the Lord. Awesome. Be not conformed. Well, let me finish. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or really a better translation is spiritual service. It's your spiritual service. But it is reasonable. <clears throat> okay? Now, if we if we look at this and we think about reason, the seat of the intellect, reason, right? Then it is, to be intellectual is to be spiritual. To be a reasonable person means that you are. Presenting your bodies holy and acceptable unto the Lord. That's just reasonable. If I don't present my bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto the Lord. I am no longer reasonable. You stop being reasonable. When you stop giving yourself to God. Amen. True intellectual people. People who are intellectual. I'm not, I'm not smart. I'm talking about intellectual. Are people who live for the Lord. And the, the reasoning, the seat of the intellect. When you live for God, you give your life to God. You're the reasonable one. It is not. Sometimes this Bible right here. I feel like I'm almost boring you this morning, but this is practical application. Let me say it to this. This Bible right here will at times go above human reasoning. It will ask you to do things that's above your intellect. Your human intellect. It will ask you to do things that as far as humanly speaking don't make sense to you as a human being. It will go above. The reason of that Bible will go above the reason of your own intellect. But even though the Bible sometimes goes above your human intellect, or you human reasoning, it's never unreasonable. Anything that you find in the word of God is never unreasonable, even if it goes above my reasoning. If I can't, I don't understand it. it doesn't make sense to me. You know, the Bible requires it. It might be above my intellect, my reasoning, but it's never unreasonable. When you do what God tells you to do, even though your mind is saying, "Oh no, that's not even reasonable to do." If you do what God tells you to do, instead of unreasonable, it's reasonable. Reasonable service to you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, to the unbeliever and this is to the believer, but to the unbeliever. How unreasonable it is for a person to die and go to hell when they did not have to die and go to hell, the most unreasonable thing that they could do is to die and go to hell. To not present them themselves to God to be saved. Unreasonable to die and go to hell. Everybody today that is in hell, they are the most unreasonable people that have ever lived. It's unreasonable to die and go to hell. But it's also, for the believer, it is unreasonable. It is unreasonable not to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's your spiritual service. I'll tell you what, Brother Sister, people that have the most problems in their life, in their world, are people who don't present their bodies to God who don't give their lives to God. A lot of problems as a result of that because they're unreasonable. If you're an unbeliever, it's unreasonable to die and go to hell. If you are a believer and you don't present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, that's unreasonable. It is simply reasonable. Amen? It's the right thing to do. It's reasonable. Why do you do what you do? Because it's the right thing. It's the right thing. Living for the Lord, a lot of living for the Lord is common sense, just common sense. But today if I come here and I'm not willing to give myself to the Lord as a believer and live for him and be totally wholly dedicated to him, body, soul and spirit, that's unreasonable. doesn't even make sense. But when I do that, it is a it is reasonable and it is a true spiritual worship. God is looking for a true spiritual work worship. If your doctrine doesn't cause you to have a life change, if your doctrine doesn't work out in practical living, then you are not walking in accurate doctrine. And Paul is showing after he's given us doctrine, now he's showing us as a result of that doctrine, this is the way we live. And it's only reasonable. It's a reasonable thing to do the right thing. to do. Spiritual service. God is looking. He's looking for true spiritual service. Not people who claim, well, I'm saved. But I'm going to live. I'm going to dress. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Any little flame, old flame comes by. Yeah, I reach for that. But if I love him, I won't reach for that. Like that old flame said to that man she must be really great for you not to reach me he's so great it causes me not to reach say praise the Lord I want to be in I want to be so in love with my wife I want to see her as being something that is so great that if anything comes around me amen I don't reach for it. Because she's better than what's being presented to me. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. If you want your husbands to be faithful to you, then be a good wife. Be that kind of woman. That if the old flame comes around, you're so great, you won't reach for if you are that kind of a woman and he still reaches then you don't have the problem he does. But there should be a love, it should be a love affair, brothers and sisters, a love affair. Hallelujah. I don't have any problem. It's not really a sacrifice to present myself to my Jesus. What I do with my body, what I do with my eyes, what I do with my ears, what I do with my mouth, what I do with my hands, what I do with my feet, what I do with my legs, what I do with my heart, And I don't have time this morning if I were to really teach this in depth, I could go down and I could talk to you about the body parts and I could explain each one of them how they are used in the Bible for spiritual application. But I don't have time for that. But I'm going to tell you that every part of our being, eyes, ears, mouth, everything, hands, feet, heart, stomach, everything should be for the glory of God. (laughs) Say praise the Lord. Say praise the Lord. he continues he says be not conformed to this world be not conformed to this world conformed conformed the word conform let me explain conform to you it means don't this is, this is powerful don't fashion yourself don't fashion yourself according to the fashions of the world One translation puts it that way. Don't fashion yourself after the fashion of the world. Another translation is don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. The, the, the definition understanding of the word conform simply means this. It's a little chameleon. To conform means conform. Means you're constantly changing in your form. People come around you. They put pressure on you. You're a chameleon. You become. You follow them. You become like them. You are conformed. You're constantly changing. And depending on the environment that you're in. If you're in one environment, you're one thing. If you're in another environment, you're another thing. If you're in this environment, you're another thing. And if you're around this person, you become one thing. You're around another person, you become another Thing. you come to church and you're all holier than now. Then you get out of the church and you live like the devil. It just depends on your environment. It depends on who's there. And you adapt. The Lord says, do not be that kind of a person that is constantly changing all the time according to the pressures or the fashion of this world. Hallelujah! To conform, if you're a person that's a conformer, conformer to the world, for this age, that means you are constantly adapting and constantly changing and giving into the pressures of this world. And whoever comes around you, you just conform. You just become what they are. Amen? Amen. Re- Reuben in the Old Testament, the Bible says about Reuben, the firstborn, said this about Reuben, unstable as water. He was unstable as water. He was the firstborn son of Jacob. But he was unstable as water. That means look, water conforms to that glass shape right there. Whatever boundaries that the water is in, it conforms to the shape of that boundary. The water is the same shape Unstable as water means that whatever is around you, you become, you conform to that. You get into that mold. God doesn't want us to conform to this age, this this scheming, the scheming of the world against the Christ of God, the underhanded dealings. It's like the world. You start being like the world when you get underhanded. When you start scheming, and you do things underhanded and you plot and you plan in a destructive way, you're acting just like the world. And God is telling us be not conformed to this world. Don't let it squeeze you into its mold. Don't give into its fashions. But be ye transformed. Metamorphosis. Greek word metamorphosis metamorphosis. Morphe means there's something on the inside of you that's fixed. Something on the inside of you that's unchanging. It's Jesus Christ. He's in you. Romans chapter 8 says that we are to be conformed into the image of His Son. The goal is to be more like Jesus. And Jesus is the morphe in us. He's the unchanging Inside of me. And that unchanging one, Morphe, inside of me, Jesus Christ, will cause a transformation. That means I am going to constantly be changing in, into becoming more like Him. There is a change, but it's not the change of the world. That I'm constantly giving into the pressures of the world, and whoever's around me, that's who I am. It's a metamorphosis. There's a change that's taking place. But it's being more like the One who's in me who is unchanging. And I'm constantly being transformed. That means I'm becoming more and more like the One who is inside of me and less and less like the world that I'm living in. I've got somebody solid in my life. He's the morphe in my life. He's inside of every one of you. If you have the Holy Ghost today, He's on the inside of every one of you. And where you change, you change. Meta means to change your condition. Morphe, you are changing according to the unchanging one that lives in you. Now there's an outward expression of the inward reality. In the Word of God, I don't have time to really get into a lot of details, but even the whole book of Romans is set up according to inversion. Inversion. The inside from the out. Truth has to be inverted. That means what you got on the inside, there must be an inversion. What is inside must invert and come to the outside. I'm in an inversion process right now. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus Christ and less and less like this world. Hallelujah. It's ideologies. It's philosophy. It's thinking. It's pride. It's arrogance. It's opposition against God. It's scheming. It's underhandedness. No, I don't, I don't want to be like Reuben. Unstable as water. Like a little chameleon, always changing depending on the environment I'm in. Mean. Amen. I think probably teenage Christians have the, and I'm not talking about age-wise, teenage Christians are the ones who probably have the greatest battle in this area because of peer pressure. They get around a certain crowd. They want to be cool, you know. They want to be cool. And sometimes sometimes I'll look at them and say, and you're not cool either. Because I, I sense this pride in them, you know, trying to be cool, trying to, trying to take the show, man. We used to have a track team you know it didn't last very long because I just to be honest with you I told told them I was so tired I couldn't do it by myself you know and I was, so we didn't we stopped doing the track team not the cross country team we already took that but the track team I said I just I just can't do it I got too much on am plate. but you know it was amazing I'd watch some of these young men they'd get out there and they'd run they'd try to show off try to be cool you know and you know they thought they were the superstars well, you're a superstar at Bible Center Fellowship, but you go to the big school, you're gonna be down at the bottom of the pack. You know. But they tried to be cool, man. You know, and I remember one day I looked up, one of this guy trying to be cool, and I said, And you're not cool either. <laughs> you know, trying to be cool, man, trying to fit in, you know. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? When I was a youth, youth teacher, youth leader, you know, we had this big old sign in the youth class. And this, this young guy had a mohawk in. You know, it's kind of going back to that again. I'm going, to, it's a mohawk right down here, you know, hair and then everything shaved up next to it. But anyway, there's a picture of this young guy, blonde haired young guy with a mohawk, you know. And the question on the bottom of the poster says, why? Why? And it didn't just show a picture of that one guy from Mohawk. It showed like a picture. Everybody had the same haircut. Everybody looked the same. And the question was why? And he said to be different. That's why. But he wasn't different. No. Nah, he was conforming to the image. Conforming to this world, man. He wasn't different. He just like the rest of them. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm different for Jesus. I want to be different for Jesus. I'm not an oddball. I'm not an oddball. Living for the Lord being holy is not being an oddball. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Be not conformed to this age. There's some good things in this world. Everything in the world is not bad. He says don't be conformed to this age. He's not talking about the globe. There's some good things on this planet. You can enjoy some good things. God, God gave us things on this planet to enjoy. And I enjoy some, some things. Hallelujah. You should too. Amen. God wants you to enjoy your life. As long as it's sanctified. No, everything in the world's not bad. We're not we not some kind of oddball. You know what I mean? I remember when I was in church and wasn't a pastor, I was in another church. This guy came in and he just—he look off up in space all the time. What are you looking at? <laughs> he he, he just—he just look off his space. You know. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to present himself as like, you know, being super spiritual. Hey, I, 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 no, I'm—I'm not telling—I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying, man. What what, what were you looking at, dude? And he come into church every time. Just like that. He's some kind of super spiritual giant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying, man? I mean, I've been around some some really unique, unique situations in, in my life. Before I even started pastoring, I've been around some unique situations. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be an oddball man. I enjoy life. You can enjoy life. Hallelujah. It's better living for the Lord than it's living in the world. But the devil wants you to make make come to your house. It's, it's better out in the world, you know. No, it's better living for God. Say praise the Lord. There are a lot of things you can do in life, enjoy life. You know? I mean, look at G. Look at one of the great jobs she's doing with her son. Both her sons, you know? Single parent, doing an awesome job with them. And they're involved in everything. I mean, everything. She said, well, we'd be out of town, Pastor. we going over here. To, you got another game. You know, well, at, at the first, I'd sort of kind of try to put the brakes on. But I don't do that anymore. You know why? Because she's done such a good job with them. I'm not going to interfere. Hallelujah. You know, and if you're not doing a good job with your kids and they're a, they're a problem, I'm going to say, now you better back off, man. They need to be more involved in the church than they are in these other things. But if you got kids, the fruit's there. Good kids, the fruit's there. Enjoy. Hallelujah. Get in everything. Everything. Doing a great job. I said Pastor, I won't be in prayer meeting tonight. i got a game. Used to. Remember, I tell you now, you need to put prayer meeting ahead of that. You don't need to go to that game Remember I told you that? I don't, I don't, I don't, oh okay, anyway. She still comes and prays on her break, she says. But now, because I see the fruit of her life and the decisions that she's made. She says, I won't be in prayer I got a gang with my boys. Go ahead. That's right. That's why that's why I told my wife. I told my wife, I said, She's doing such a great job. I said, I'm not meddling. The only time I'm going to have to step in is if they're you know what I'm saying they're so involved in everything else that they're like zoning. They're in church and they're zoning. They don't want to be in the house of God. They don't even know where they are. They don't even know who they are. You know what I mean? They're just they're somewhere else. Okay. Then I'm going to say, hey, you know what? You better back off that getting involved with that because it's taking too much of your time. And not when I see the fruit. Oh, yeah. Say praise the Lord. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so there's some there's some things, man. You can enjoy Hallelujah. so she might not be at prayer at six o'clock. she says she comes and praises the lunch or prays in her car, praises I don't know where she prays. she still prays. but the thing is this is that that's where we get into a problem sometimes. When I go to church for the ladies' prayer meeting, that's spiritual. When I go to my son's game, that's not spiritual. That's where you're wrong. When you go to your son's game, that's the most spiritual thing you can do. Yes, pray. Yes, seek the Lord. But you have to spend time with your family. Amen. Amen. Say praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. The most spiritual thing you can do, brothers and sisters, or sisters, the most thing, spiritual thing you can do is to clean your house, cook for your husband. You know they're washing them old dirty dishes. This isn't spiritual. I want to go Pray. Leave the dishes in the sink. No, the most spiritual thing you can do is not go pray, do the dishes. Oh, I got some looks. I got some looks right now. It's all spiritual. God looks at His all spiritual service. If you do it with your heart unto Him glorifying him with a with a, a, a purpose or a goal in mind. Hallelujah! I don't I don't meddle anymore. I don't. Don't have to. I got to look at this. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. And I tell you if you if it's not working, you look at your kids. If it's not working, do something different. Don't keep going down that road until it breaks. You look at your kids and if it's not working, you change it. Say amen. Hallelujah. God wants you to be involved with your kids. One thing about a pastor, being a pastor, is that a pastor loses kids. And I made up my mind a long time ago I'll never put the church in front of my kids. Ever. Never, ever. Because I'm not going to pastor you and lose them. My pa- As a pastor, my greatest role is a pastor my wife and my children. I am a pastor to them first. And then you. I can't give you all of my attention, spend all my time with you, and neglect them. Because if I lose them, what have I? Amen. So it's important. And I know maybe some of y'all get all tied up, all been out of shape, you know. And, and I'm not being mean. I'm just being practical with this morning. You say, well, Pastor, he's going for a whole month. Why can't he go for three days? Or a week or two weeks? Sometimes we need a month, man, together. Vacation. Well, I don't like that. We don't. We don't go. We don't go. Who cares what you do and you don't do? Probably the most spiritual thing I do is when I go on vacation and spend time with my family. Keep my, my family together. Hallelujah. Keep myself together. Say, praise the Lord. <laughs> I don't like that. Because we don't get to go for a month. I wish I was pastor. No, you don't. You had to quit the first week. (laughs) There's some things you do. And so when he talks about being not conformed to this world, he's not talking about the planet. He's not telling you everything is bad. You know? And Walk through life just miserable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you must be one of them Christians. Like I told you about the donkey. Remember the donkey? Come here, the story of the donkey. Grandpa had a donkey, right? And his little grandson, and the donkey was all sad. Real sad. Real, you know how donkeys look? They look real sad. You know? The donkey looked real sad. And the grandson looked at Grandpa and said, is he a Christian? <laughs> he a Christian. I mean, man. Why did he laugh, dude? That's the way some people live, man. They live their life like that. God help me. I, You know, I get in that mode sometimes. But I don't want to live that way. But I get in that mode sometimes. Yeah, people walk up to me and like, say, are you that donkey? They don't ask me, are you the Christian? Or are you that donkey? Come on. Why are you sad? Because I'm a Christian. Man, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know... You see, you don't. I mean, I get up here and I'm serious and I'm preaching the Word of God. And I get serious sometimes by the Word of God. I get serious depending on I'm preaching. I'm not going to stand up here and, and preach on hell and laugh. I get serious. But man, there's sometimes, man, I have a good old time. I cut up. I mess around. No, I don't mess around, but I. That don't sound good, does it? I uh, do An older man and an older woman went out was gonna go out to together one, one day. You know, they're both older and, and this older lady looked at the older man and said, You you just wanna mess around? <laughs> you just wanna mess around. <laughs> so when I say I'm messing, I like to mess around. I gotta be careful, man, you know. You might misinterpret that. Hallelujah. You walk out of here and you tell everybody, hey, our pastor, he's a player, man. <laughs> but, but I do, man. I have, I have a great time. And I got to watch it because sometimes I'm, I'm too, you know. Yeah. And I'm always messing with these guys. And I enjoy it, man. I enjoy living for God. I do. You know, there's always gonna be somebody gonna want to come and steal your happiness. They see you too blessed. They see you too happy. They see things going too well for you. It's not going too good for them. Man, they're gonna do everything they can to tear you down. Remember, if you have something, know something, and do anything, there's always gonna be somebody after you. If you know something, have something, or do anything, always gonna be somebody after you. If you don't have anything, never do anything. Nobody's gonna bother you. Right? You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm finally I'm getting I'm starting to rub off on Melvis a little bit, you know, she a little bit, you know. She it's there, it's already in her, I know. And you know, but she she for a long time she wants to be real serious with me, man. I'm always <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. I believe God has sense humor. I think it's important if you're going to be a preacher to have a sense of humor. Not that I have one, but I'm just telling you, you know, I think it is, it is important. So when he says be conformed to this world, it's not saying you have to just give everything up and walk around sad and depressed all day long and just, you know, mad at everybody, mad at the world, mad at yourself, mad at God, mad at the devil. Come on! Be not conformed to this age. The scheming, conniving, underhandedness of this age against the Christ of God. It's opposition to that. That's what it's talking about. God wants you to enjoy life. He came to give you life and that more abundantly. As long as it don't get in your way of serving God. You know, the philosophy of the world is power and the ways of the world is more power and... More prosperity. More fame. Don't live your life for just power and prosperity and fame. But God doesn't care about you being famous. He doesn't care about you being prosperous. He doesn't care about you being powerful. As long as you don't let that become your mainstay. God wants to bless your life. He wants to prosper you. He wants to give you power in life. He doesn't even care if you're famous as long as you make Him famous. More importantly. Don't apologize. God blesses you. People apologize. Well, you know, I apologize because I have a nice car. I apologize. What are you doing? Now, pastor, people, man, I know they've been there. They, they don't even want to tell anybody they've got a new car. They'll drive up to church and they have a brand new car. They don't want to tell anybody. They park in the back 40. Why? Because they're worried about what the saints are going to say. Well, you got another new car you got another new car they got another new car I'll tell one sister who cares what they think who care what they think as you can see I don't care what you think I just normally get a new one just about every year so I don't care what you think. hallelujah I don't want to. That that shouldn't you your only pursuit in life. Hallelujah. No, God God doesn't have anything about legitimate things. Getting married, He wants you to get married, but to the right person. He don't have anything about being successful. He wants you to be successful when you put Him first. Amen. Man, I rejoice. They've got Asia here. You know, she went off and got some training and got certified. Man, she's doing very, very well in the pharmaceutical industry. Man, I, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. If you find out somebody's doing well, you need to start rejoicing. Yeah. You need to start thanking God. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, 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 you know, well, 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 well. That's why you're in the shape you're in, because you got that old nasty spirit. Well, well, well. I mean, I I'm, I'm really want to serve God well. I want to serve you well and all of that, but sometimes I'm going to take time for me and my family and, and I'm, I'm praise God. There's nothing wrong with that. So we, but we need you pastor. I'm not your God. man, if it all if this sister pastor and go if this whole thing is resting on my shoulder, we in trouble. Amen. And I'm telling you that if it's all about me, we're in big trouble, and so are you. I don't mind helping you, man, but I'm not your answer. Jesus is your answer. Somebody said hallelujah. 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 Amen. Well, you had the opportunity, you'd do the same thing, so why judge me? I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. It'd be worse. Amen? You have to understand the word of God. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. God simply wants you to give yourself to Him. And whatever you do, if it's with your kids, if it's athletics, if it's education, if it's the job, whatever it is in life, your family, course, your church, it's all spiritual. In the kingdom age, that's why the Bible says holiness will be written on the pots. It'll be written on the pots because everything is sacred to God, even the pots that you wash. When you wash dishes, you're say, and you're sitting there, you're like, "Oh God, it's morning." No, good morning, God. And you wash that old dirty pot. You say, "This is my spiritual service to you." And I want my spiritual worship to be acceptable to you, so I'm going to wash this pot till I scratch the surface off of it. <laughs> I do most of the, I do most of the cooking around the house. My wife does a lot of cleaning afterwards. And I noticed her the other day. I cooked some eggs, and she had that. This sponge out the bottom of that pan. <laughs> I didn't say anything, I just looked at her and kept walking, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes you don't say a word, you just <laughs> They, they, they talking loud enough, you know. <laughs> Man, there's not going to be nothing much left of that part she gets done. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so quote this. Okay, quote this when you're having a rough day. This is my spiritual worship unto you. True, spiritual, reasonable service. Spiritual worship to God. Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Let me know God wants to bless your life. Amen. I understand balance. We got to keep things in check because we're all a little bit out of balance. You know, and I know in my own life, I can look at my own life and say, okay, God, you know, that probably wasn't the best financial decision I could have made. But there are things in life that you do, and you buy, not because they're good financial decisions, but because you like them. Amen. It's not a good financial decision to go eat a big chicken fried steak after church. That, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's not a good. It's not even a good health decision, you know. But there's some things you do that it's not about how much it costs. I enjoy that. Now I don't do that very much anymore because I'm the fit of hell. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, man. I'm trying to be the next 55-year-old Mr. Olympian here. <laughs> you ought to say it. But but I was thinking about that the other day. You know, I said, man, you know, I. I would where I would be today if I had to spend so many on so much money on different cars that <laughs> you Oh man. And uh, you know, I'd probably be doing a lot my house would probably be paid off right now if I didn't buy so many cars. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not blaming God, but I, this thought came to me. You don't buy everything because it's a good financial decision. You buy some things because you enjoy. Right. Well, I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna buy my wife no roses because I want to spend fifty. cents. now it's hundred fifty dollars. Hundred fifty dollars from flowers that are gonna die in a week. Right? That's not a good financial decision. You better do it. You're not doing it for you, and it's not a. It's not about a financial decision. It's about her. Amen. Somebody said, Amen. I'm gonna say it again. There's some things in life that you need to do and purchase not because it's a good decision, because you enjoy it. I learned a real good lesson, Asia, when I first got married. You know, this one I used to you know, we used to observe all the pagan holidays and added some to it. You know what I mean? The pagan holidays, wasn't that? So we added some more. Holidays. But in the days we celebrated pagan holidays, you know, like Valentine's Day, man. The first year I was married, Sister Kathy. I went, I bought my my honey, a box of chocolate candy, heart shaped chocolate candy, you know. And and I said, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go the extra mile. I'm gonna get her a plant too. And so I I got the box of candy and I noticed a little old plant is about this tall and Maybe this tall, maybe this tall, and in a little old box, little old, little old, little old, little old plant, I, I walked in. I was so proud. Came in off my lunch hour. I was so proud. Had a little box of candy and a little old plant, you know. And, and, uh, and my my friend, you know, he's a little bit older, a little more experienced man. He said, "What is that?" And I said, "Well, this is for my wife for Valentine's Day." And he looked at them, he looked at me, and he said, I said something. And I said, Well, it's the thought that counts. And he said, You're not thinking very well. <laughs> he said, He pulled out the money out of his pocket. He said, Give me that plant. Go buy her a real plant. There's some things that you do, not because it's a good financial decision, man. Right? Because you enjoy it. Somebody said, Praise the Lord. I don't know why I'm spending so much time on this. But other than to tell you this, that God, when he says, be not conformed to this world, is not talking about the good things that you can enjoy in life. It's about that that, that world that's in opposition to the Christ of God. That system of thinking. Where to them, brothers and sisters, that's all it is. It's about power. It's about prosperity. It's about fame. That's it. That's all they live for. But I don't, and you don't, because we're married to Him. And I want to tell you something right now. My Jesus isn't cheap. He paid the ultimate price. More precious than silver or gold. My Jesus is not cheap. He's not cheap in His sacrifice to die for you. And He's not cheap in His blessings with you. My God is an abundant God. And I don't, I don't preach, name it, claim it. Necessarily a prosperity gospel, but it is the truth. God will bless your life. Hallelujah. He, he, he wants you to enjoy it. Hallelujah. When y'all get married, He wants you to enjoy each other. Hallelujah. He wants you to, hallelujah. Say praise the Lord aren't you glad you don't celebrate the pagan holidays it's a lot cheaper isn't it <laughs> but I still have an anniversary I couldn't get rid of that pagan holiday I mean, I'm sorry that wasn't a pagan holiday either. <laughs> you better edit that one brother that's Uh, that's a holiday I better keep February February 1 February the 1st you know hallelujah I mean she don't seem to care that it's our anniversary day but I better not forget (laughs) you know what I mean hallelujah I bought her roses all the way up till I think last year, and I mean after 30-something years of marriage, I mean the plant gets so big you have to have a, a U-Haul to carry it. So I, I stopped, but I'd better start back up, don't you think? Maybe that's why my year hadn't been so great. <laughs> but February 1st is pretty close, so you know I better buy a big old. Because what I, you know, the reason I say that is because I'd buy a rose for every year. Or I'd buy 12 roses and I'd add a flower for every year. So you get over, you got 30 of those, that's a big old plant. You got to get a U-Haul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? So I thought, ah, I've been doing that long enough. Not a good decision. I'm just telling you, there's some things you do not because it's a good decision. Good financial decision. And I'm not saying it's God, but that did come in my spirit. Because I was praying and I was saying, God, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, God. I said, I, I probably haven't made some good decisions in the can I buy you know, different cars and stuff. And I'm not saying it's God. Maybe it was. But I heard this in my spirit, in my mind. Some things you buy not because it's a good decision financially but because you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I wouldn't doubt if that was God. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah. Because He's a good God. And if you got it, enjoy it. Praise the Lord. You bring your tithes and your offerings to God, you're faithful to God, enjoy it. Hallelujah. Because what, what he does, this principle, this principle is in the Bible. You give him the part, he makes it the whole. That's the principle in the Bible. So if you bring your 10%, he doesn't say, okay, you brought 10%. When you bring your 10%, 10% give him the part. He counts it as the whole thing. That's a principle. So you bring your tithe to the Lord, you bring offerings, free will offerings on top of that. God counts it as the whole. He's gonna bless you abundantly. He wants it's just a it's just an avenue. He don't need my money. It's just an avenue where you can present your body, a living sacrifice, holy one unto God, reasonable service, amen. Be not conformed to this world. It's just a way that you can show by reasonable worship, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can not give God? It's, it's a way by which God can bless you. Amen. Isn't God good? We know what it means. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold and its a way of thinking. To this, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I explain transform, metamorphosis, morphe, that solid, unmovable, unchanging Jesus in you that comes out and changes you by the Spirit and by the Word of God to be more like Him. Amen. Amen. How much time do you have for Him? I thank God when you come to church and hear the Word of God. I thank God that you take time to seek Him in prayer. I thank God for that, but that's not the only time you're serving. Amen. It's important for a pastor to get God word. Well, that, the Bible does a principle. The Bible does. A man of God is supposed to get Godward for the people. Godward. Sometimes the best place for a pastor to get God is on the mountain somewhere. That's right. Sitting by sitting by a fishing hole somewhere. Sometimes that's the best place for a man to get Godward. It might might not seem spiritual to the church, but to God it is. See see, God wants us to be whole. He doesn't want it. He don't want you to be a wacko. Losing your mind. You know what I'm saying? Losing, losing, just you lose yourself. And come on. That's not, that's not the way of God. Say praise the Lord. He wants you to rest properly. He wants you to eat properly. All of that. If you eat right, that's spiritual service. He wants you to rest properly. Not stay up all night, watch movies on a Saturday and then come to church and sleep during the preacher's preaching. That's not reasonable service. That's unreasonable. Well, I mean, what would you do if I was standing up here and all of a sudden I just. I would... Oh, come on. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing when you do that? I mean it's real gradual too. (laughs) Why do you do it like that? Real gradual? Just throw yourself over, lay down, lay on the pew, man. Get your pillow, your cup, blanket. It don't have to be like I tell you what, if you're gonna to go to sleep in church, look at the person next to you and just do this and say, you know, just do this when it gets good. Wake me up when it starts getting good. <laughs> you're waiting if you're waiting for the good part, I'm already at the good part. What time is it? It's twelve thirty. I better let you go. Can you believe this? I haven't got out of the second verse. I'll I'll finish it tonight. Okay? I can't believe this, man. I I am sure glad I didn't plan on doing 13 too. (laughs) This is supposed to be a flyover of the book of Romans. I'm supposed to be done already. Amen. Hallelujah. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And let me just say this to you, that's not different levels of God's will. The good and perfect and acceptable will of God well, it's it's not His perfect will, but it's His good will. Or it's not His good will, it's just His acceptable will. No, there's no other will of God than the perfect will of God. Okay. God bless your heart. All right, let's stand. Let's go to chicken fat steak. <laughs> Who cares, Tony? Forget it, man. I I'm about ready to give up on this Mr. Olympia tribe. You know, deal. You already quit a long time ago, man. Praise the Lord. But it, it takes you a long time to lose it. You know, I can lose it in a day, man. So, yeah, when you're young, man, you can you quit working out and like you still look good in a year or a year or two. You, know, you get old, man, you quit working out and in a day you lose everything. <laughs> Just... That's just the way it is. Man. I took a week off because I've been sick, you know. Took a week off. I said, I'm just going to let all my receptors, you know, let them reboot, you know, my receptors because I do pre-workouts and protein drinks and all the stupid stuff, you know. And so.